Amen. Thanks, guys. Casey, you look good tonight, bro. I'm, I'm just saying, man. It's a new Renovate uniform. Yeah? Okay, cool. Sweet. Uh, well, hey, uh, good evening. How are we doing? Yeah? Okay, cool. Sweet. Uh, well, hey, my name is Josh Story. Uh, I am one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. Um, and, man, I'm stoked that you guys uh, chose to come out and worship with us tonight. Uh, man, we are the second week into a series that we're doing uh, here called Idols. Um, so, man, if you are just now jumping in or um, the term idol is fuzzy to you or even if you were here last week and you were like, man, I just slept through the whole thing, um, man, let me just kind of recap uh, what an idol is, man. An, an idol is honestly a really simple concept. Um, it is uh, a good thing that we make an ultimate thing, right? So meaning that it is a, a good thing that we elevate to a status that's unhealthy, and in the process, we deceive ourselves into thinking that this one thing, if we have it, is going to fulfill us or satisfy us or, or make us content, right? And so last week, Ben kind of walked through this idol of approval and this, this idea of, man, um, if, if I could just get someone to like me, then I'll be happy. If I could just get like a date, man, I'll be content. If, if I could just get people to approve of me and accept me and tell me that I'm awesome, then, then I'll be good, right? And, and what we find is that that's not actually what satisfies us because that's not what idols do. Idols, they just kind of tease it. They, they, they tease us, but they're never actually enough to satisfy us. So tonight we're going to be talking about the idol of control the idol of control, um, which if you know me, um, and this has been a really awesome week for me because this is kind of where I live. Uh, I have major control issues. Like, like, like I have this, this kind of tendency to um, deceive myself into believing that, man, I'm gonna be happy, I'm gonna be fulfilled, or I'm gonna be content man, when I have control over situations, right? And so um, maybe you're in here tonight and you're thinking, man, that's, that's where I am. Or maybe you, you honestly don't even know where, where you are, because for me, it took me a long time to figure out that I struggle with uh, control, because I'm not some kind of type A, like, control freak kind of guy. I'm, I'm pretty laid back, you know, easygoing, um, and, and it took a while to figure it out. So if you're in here tonight and you're thinking, man, I don't really know if this applies to me, or I'm not really sure kind of where I fall, um, let me kind of show you where I first started to realize that I have control problems. Um, I am convinced that one of the most stressful situations that a human can endure is when like a large group of people are trying to decide where to eat. Um, I don't know if you've ever like been there, right? But you have like eight to 10, 10 people and they're all sitting there. Yes, sir, thank you. And, uh, and, and they're like, oh, let's try and figure out where, where to eat. That to me, like, I, uh, like I'm just so stressed uh, for two reasons. One, I'm kind of a food snob. Um, so I'm like a firm believer that life is way too short to eat a bad meal. So like if we're going to go eat, like let's eat, you know, like let's eat somewhere good. Um, plus I have this like con control thing. And that's just a horrible combination in this scenario because food snobs with control issues just don't play well in these like kind of big group decisions because what typically happens in a big group is that you settle for convenience over quality, right? So you go, go to places where, oh, there's something on the menu for everybody, and there's plenty of space, and there's not a long line, and those restaurants suck, right? Like, those are just not good restaurants. Like, those are mediocre restaurants. And so for me, it's like, no. So what happens is because I have very strong convictions about where we eat, um, man, I try to, like, like scratch and claw, manipulate and do everything I can to kind of control where we eat because I want to make sure that for the good of everybody in the group that we eat at a good place, right? And so I'm sitting there, and this is kind of how it happens. I'll like discredit every other place except for the place that I want, right? So it's like, uh, where do I want to go? 
Oh, Chili's? Yeah, oh, dude, that's an awesome choice. Um, the problem is, like, I, I just read a story that, like, they didn't meet health code last week, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool, whatever. Um, where else? Uh, oh, 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 Applebee's? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so someone got murdered in their kitchen last, last week. I don't know, like, took them, like, a week to find the body. Like, they don't even know if there's more in there. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, I just, I just wouldn't go there, you know? And, and they're just like, what? And so, and then I'm like, how about torchies, right? And they're like, all right, cool, whatever. Like, no one's died, died there. We're good to go. Um, and so, like I, like, I do this thing where it's like, I want what I want when I want it. And so I, I do all these things to gain control of this situation. Oh, that's super sinful, right? And like, why do I do that? It's because, like, I just want what I want. And here's the scary part about that scenario. That's lunch, Right, like, 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 like I'm, I'm just talking about picking a meal, right? Like, and so if my control issues like come out over picking where we're going to eat lunch, can you imagine what happens when we're talking about my career? Can you imagine what happens when we talk about my relationships? Can you imagine what happens when we start talking about my, my future or my plans or things that actually matter? Man, I get in all kinds of shape. Like, I, like, it's just, like, I just have this control thing that just comes out because it's, well, no, 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 like, don't, don't touch that. I, I convince myself that, man, that's what's going to fulfill me or satisfy me is if I have control of those things, right? And again, I, I don't feel like I'm alone in this. Like, like, I don't think that I'm the only person in the room who, who craves to control situations. I don't feel like I'm the only person in the room who gets frustrated when things don't go according to plan. I don't feel like I'm the only person in the room who, who fears uncertainty. I'm not the only person in the room who is a slave to my calendar or my schedule. I get bent out of shape if, if things just don't go according to my routine. Right, so so if, if anywhere in here, something in you is saying, yeah, I think I might have, a con- like, like, like that's me, odds are you've bought the lie that, man, if you can control things, if you can be the one who's master of your, your calendar and your schedule and your plans and your dreams and your hopes and your future, then you've, you've probably bought this lie that, man, that's gonna satisfy you. And you've have, you have this kind of control idol, right? And here's why I think it's such a big deal that we address this. And, and I know this because I'm, I'm one of these, these people. If you struggle with control, with this idol of control, odds are your life is not marked by contentment. If you struggle with control, odds are people don't view you as a content person. Because the reality is that that even if you get a little bit of control, what happens is that it's never enough. Right? And so so you can deceive yourself into thinking that you have some control, but it's never enough. You always want more because I I can't just control this. I have to control this and this and this and this. And if I don't control all of it, then I'm frustrated or I'm anxious. Because that's what idols do. They, They tease you, but they never satisfy you. They, they, they tease you into thinking that, that you have the ability to, to control this, but the reality is you don't. And the more that you realize that you're not in control, the more frustrated you become. So odds are your life is not marked by contentment. It's marked by anxiety and fear and frustration. So out of a love for you, my hope tonight is this, that we can change. Because my hope is that, is that you're not walking around frustrated or anxious because you're, you're so busy trying to control everything. My, my hope is that you come to a place where you experience peace, you experience joy, you experience life because you understand that you can't control it all. all right? so, so that's where we're going tonight. So I want us to just really simply tonight just answer one question. Is, man, how do we change? 
for those of us in the room who, who struggle, and I think that on some level, we all struggle with control on some level. But I mean, how do we change? How do we get to a place where we no longer hold on to things with this desire or this craving to control? That's where we're going tonight. So um, let me start by, by saying this, and if you're a note person, you can write this down. I, th- I think the first thing in, in, in changing in us getting to a place where we rid ourselves of this idol of control is that we have to understand and believe that we're not actually in control. Okay, we have to believe that we're not in control. Now, I realize that that, that may sound like really basic and honestly kind of insulting. <laughs> You're like, all right, cool. Like I, like, I know that I'm not in control, right? Like, even you'd see last night, like, there's, like, half of the country is fully aware we have no control over stuff, right? Like, like, like you just look around, and I think intellectually no one would argue that, that we're in control. Like, we all know, yeah, I know that we're not actually in control of our lives. But the reality is if you look at the way that we function, we absolutely function like we believe that we're in control. Like, like we function like we are convinced that we have control over our lives, right? So, um, for instance, maybe you uh, went to college, you had this epic dream of um, graduating, having this incredible job, and it was your, your dream job, and you're out, like, changing the world and doing cool things, and everything's awesome, right? And then you finish, and now you're, like, a year or two out of school, and you realize, I hate my job. I actually even don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I'm, I'm more confused now than I was, like, a year ago, and I'm super broke, and I hate it, right? And you're sitting there, and you're frustrated because you're like, this wasn't the plan. Like, like, I had a plan. Like, like I know how my life was going to play out, and this isn't it. And you're frustrated because things didn't go according to plan, right? Why is that? Because you're functioning like you believe that you actually have control of your life. Or um, let's say that you uh, thought, man, I'm like a hopeless romantic, right? And so you're sitting there and thinking, I'm either going to meet somebody in college or right after college. And because we're in Texas and so everyone gets snatched up early, so it's going to be awesome, right? And so you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I'm going to meet somebody and we're going to fall in love and we're, we're going to get married and we're going to have this wedding that like breaks Pinterest, right? And like, like, like Pinterest just ceases to exist because this is the wedding like, to end all weddings. And so we're sitting there and you're like, this is going to be awesome. But now, like it's been a while, right? And you're looking, and either your friends are all dating, or they're getting married, or they're having kids, and you're thinking, what happened? Like, this wasn't the plan. Like, I wasn't supposed to be where I am. Like, I'm, like I wasn't supposed to be single this long. Like, like, this wasn't the plan. And you're frustrated, or you're anxious, because you don't know when that person's going to come. Why is that? It's because you're functioning like you believe that you have control. Or, or what about this? Maybe you have, like, the perfect job, and you have this perfect relationship, and everything's actually going according to your plan, Right? And from the outside, like, like externally, everything looks awesome. But you know internally that you're on the verge of losing all of that because you have to control every aspect of your life. Right? So, so everything at work is about doing it your way. Everything about your relationship is doing it your way. And your, your friends hate you. All, all these things are happening because you are convinced that, I mean, you just have to control everything. Like you are functioning like you believe that you actually have the capacity to control things. But we don't. We don't have the ability to control anything because we're not in control. Who is? It's God, right? Like, we believe that God is in control. There's even this really fancy church word for it that's called sovereignty. If you ever hear someone say that God is sovereign, what that means is that we believe that God is in absolute control and has absolute authority over everything. Right, that God is in control. So um, let, let me show you where we uh, get this, this, this idea. Um, Psalm 115.3 says, says this. It says that our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. 
It says, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Can we have that up on the screen, fellas? Um, this, is, this is a verse, right, that um, is very clear. Like, like, this is like what you see is what you get. That, that God is above all. He, there's no one like him. He is in the heavens and he does whatever he wants. Why? Because he's God. Because he can, right? He is in absolute control, right? He does what he pleases. Check out Proverbs 16, 9. It says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, um, just so we're clear, this is not a a verse about anti-planning, right? It's not saying, hey, like, don't plan, like, it doesn't matter, God's in control, he's gonna do, like, that's not what it means, because Proverbs also says that if you start building something and you you don't have a plan and you don't count the cost, you're an idiot, right? Like, that's what it says. I mean, paraphrase, but that's it, right? Right, so, so maybe you're like in the, hey, like, you actually need a plan. You should plan, plan more. Um, but this is not saying, like, don't plan. This is saying, hey, plan how, like, like, be prepared, but understand who's actually in control. Understand that you can plan, but the Lord is the one who is establishing your steps. He is the one who is, who is moving and, and doing these things, right? So it's an understanding of who's actually in control. And um, lastly, I'll, I'll do this. This is Romans 9. Paul is talking about God's sovereignty and, and, and how he uses us as people. And he says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded, say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Right, so, so what Paul is saying is, hey, like you are the clay. He is the potter. Right? You are the creation. He is the creator. Like who are you to answer to him, like to, to question him? He is in control. He is God. Right? And so scripture is so unbelievably clear that we have a God who is in absolute control. He's in absolute authority over our lives. And if we don't understand that, if we don't believe that, then we are going to continue to be frustrated because we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we can actually control our lives. And it's just not true. And so we need to believe, first off, that we're not actually in control, but that we have a God who is sovereign and in control. Now, here's the deal. Even if you believe that, like even if like theologically you understand that God is sovereign, that God is in control, the reality is that we still find ourselves from time to time craving control. Right, so, so to me, right, I've, I've been a believer for a long time. Like, I've been to seminary, I've studied the Bible a lot. Right, so I, like, I know theologically, like, I believe with all of my heart that God is sovereign, right, that God is in absolute control, yet I still find myself craving control. I just want control. Why? It's because if we're being honest, although we believe that God is in control, we don't actually believe that God's for us. We don't actually believe that God's for us. So, so in order for us to, to not just believe that he's in control, we need to trust that God is actually for us. We need to trust that God is actually for us. You see, I, I see this play out um, so often like in like my own plans, right? So um, I don't know about you, but I have these epic plans for my life. Like, like, like I have some things in mind, man, I'm gonna do some really, really cool stuff. Like I love like the dream that I have for my life, right? And on top of that, I know me. Right? So I'm, I'm very much for me, right? Like, I'm for me. So I know, theoretically, what's best for me because I'm for me, right? So what happens is, is that when my plans and God's plans don't really line up, if God comes in and he changes something or, or, or he decides to change the trajectory of my life, I get really upset. You know why? Because I think God can't be for me. 
I convince myself to think that God's not for me because if God really loved me, if God was really for me, then he would give me what I want. If God really loved me, if God really cared about me, he, he wouldn't close this door, he wouldn't uh, do this or do that, like he would give me exactly what I crave. That's not true. That's not true. Like that's not love, that God just gives us whatever we want or whatever we desire. And the reality is that God is absolutely for you. I think God is absolutely for you. Check out what it says in, in Romans 8. This is Romans 8, 31 through 32. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right, so what Paul is saying here is really simple. He's, he's explaining how we know that God is for us. He's explaining, he should say, hey, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And then he says, this is how we know that he is for us, that he did not withhold his son from us. That he did not withhold his son from us. Let me explain to you what he means there. From the beginning of time, God has been very, very clear that the wages of sin, the penalty for sin or rebellion against God is death, flat out. From like the garden on, sin equals death. Right, straight up. Which means that anytime sin is committed, something or someone has to die. Like that's been it from the beginning. Yet God, in the most gracious act of love the world has ever known, he allowed his own son, Jesus, to die in our place, to absorb his wrath, to, to take the penalty for our sin. And because what Christ has done for us on the cross, we as believers can now stand before the God of the universe, no longer as, as guilty or as shameful, but as people who are holy and spotless and blameless. We have a right relationship. We have access to the Father now because of what Christ has done for us. And so what Paul is saying is, what more proof do you need that God's for you? If God didn't withhold his son, the most precious thing to him, then what makes you think that he's holding out on you now? So, so, so if God takes something away, if God changes your plan, what makes you think that he's holding out on you? I mean, if God didn't withhold his son, why is he withholding when it comes to your job or your relationships or whatever it is? And we say, man, God is for you because he gave us Jesus. And I think so often we convince ourselves that, man, if God changes our plans or if my plans don't line up with God's plans, if God does something and I lose control, that, man, God's trying to rob me of joy, that he's holding out on me. And he's not. He's not. God is very, very clear that, man, I'm, I'm for you. And because he's for us, we can trust him. We can trust him. Now, if we understand these two concepts, if we understand and we believe that, man, that God is in absolute control, that he's sovereign, that, that, that we're not in control of our lives, but he is, and then we also begin to understand that, that he's not just in control, but he's for us that he delights in us, that he has our best interests at heart, that he's not holding out on us, if we understand that, then that should compel us to do something very, very specific. It should compel us to open our hand. It should compel us to open our hand because what typically happens is that, man, when we want to control something, we just get a death grip on whatever that thing is and we're not gonna let go. It doesn't matter what happens, we're not letting go. But the reality is if we understand that God is in control and that he's for us, that should move us to a place where we are gladly and willingly opening our hands to let God just do what he wants. Because the reality is that you're not actually in control at all. Like, like, like you're not giving God control of anything. 
He's already in control. You're just acknowledging who he is and allowing him to do what you're not allowing him to do beforehand. Right? So for some of you, maybe you're in the room tonight and you're here and you walked in with just a death grip on something and you're refusing to let that go. I mean, if that's you, I would beg you, man, open your hand. Open your hand. So maybe you came in and, and God's doing something in your career and you're thinking, man, I, I've convinced myself that, man, my, my joy, my contentment, my fulfillment is gonna come if I can be in this one career field or if I can do this one job or if I can do this. But somehow God's trying to change that. He's trying to reveal to you that he has something better for you. And you're sitting there and you're holding on, like, let go. Open your hand like God has something, but like trust that he is for you, right? Or maybe you're in just a really toxic relationship and you understand that, man, God probably has something better, but hey, at least I'm in a relationship, right? And you have just this death grip on this relationship and you know it's not healthy, you know it's not great, and God's trying to pull you out of that, but you refuse to let go. Man, open your hand. Like, God's not trying to rob you of joy. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to lead you into life. He's trying to lead you into more joy because he is for you. Right? Or maybe you're on the opposite spectrum, right? Maybe you are in a place where, man, your idol is singleness, right? And you're just a death grip on just being young and free and single and everything's cool and, and you didn't plan on, on a relationship, but God's actually bringing in a really cool, godly relationship. And you're like, no, 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 I, and you're pushing that away. And God said, no, no, I, have, like, I know that's not your plan. I know you have so many cool things to go and do. But man, this is good. This is, I'm, I'm for you, right? Or, I mean, there, there's so many different examples of that, right? Like, whatever you are, like, I don't know what you're holding on to, but if you're holding on to something and God's trying to change it or move or change directions in your life and you're thinking, no, 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 I can't. I have to control this one thing because this is the thing that's gonna make me happy. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I think that if you were to open your hand, what you're gonna find is that God is exactly who he says he is, that he is for you, and he has something so much better for you. A lot of my story of even how I got here is just this long journey of me refusing to open my hand. And um, I've said this uh, before, but if you knew me in college, the fact that I am a, uh, a single 29-year-old uh, pastor at a mega church in Fort Worth, Texas is hilarious, right? Like, because this, this is not my plan. Like, like, in no way was this my plan at all. My plan didn't um, include being in Fort Worth. It didn't include being in ministry. It didn't include being unmarried at 29. Like, all these things, like, that wasn't my plan. I had really epic plans. And so the Lord, my senior year of college, began to just kind of move and, and change and, and, and take me in a different direction. And, and I fought him on that for a long time, a long time time and the reality is I was just refusing to open my hand and eventually I came to a place where I was just exhausted I was exhausted of just trying to do it my way and 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 make it work and the Lord had to break me and say hey just open your hand you've tried everything your way you've you've tried to control and manipulate every situation in your life and it's not working like, trust me, trust that I'm, I'm leading you into a better place. And so when I finally opened my hand, like, like my life looked very different. It, like, it looked nothing like I had planned, but man, I found that his plan was better. It's so much better. So man, I, I don't know where you are tonight, but man, I would encourage you, open your hand. Don't, don't hold on with the death grip to whatever you think is gonna satisfy you because it's probably not going to. 
It's probably not going to. So, man, my hope as we kind of wrestle through this idea is the idea that, man, we need to, one, believe that God is in control, that we trust that he is for us, and that leads us to a place where we are willingly and gladly opening your hand. And let me just close by giving you just a little warning. Because, because here's what I believe is going to happen if you refuse. <laughs> um, you can absolutely leave here tonight, and you can call my bluff. You can leave, leave here and think, man, that sounds kind of cool, but I, I really like this thing, and I mean, I'm going to just not let go. You can do that. But here's what I believe is probably going to happen to you. If you refuse to open your hand, God's going to open your hand for you. And that's a lot more painful. Like, like, like seriously. Like, like, if you have a death grip on something, God's going to yank that idol out of your hand, and it's going to hurt like a mother. Right? <laughs> like, straight up. And, and, and I say that because I know that there are people who will, who will leave here, and they're not going to believe me. So, man, open your hand. Like, like, like you're, you're, again, you're not in control. You've never actually had control. Man, acknowledge. I know where I am. Like, I know that I've just been holding on to these things. Man, open your hand. I think you're going to find that, man, the Lord is going to show you stuff that you've never even thought of. That he has this plan that is good, and it's perfect, and it's better. So, man, let's be people who open our hands. Let me pray. Father, you are so good. Um, and our Lord, I know that even as I've been reading this week, um, I've been convicted of the fact that um, even in just the most mundane things in my life, I just desire control. Um, I want to control. I want to manipulate. I want what I want when I want it. And when I don't get it, I, I get frustrated. Father, I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that there are brothers and sisters in this room who are in here and, and, and they're holding on to stuff. They have convinced themselves that, that I mean, if they can just have control over this situation or this scenario or this relationship, that they'll finally be content, they'll finally be satisfied. So Father, I ask tonight that you boldly break us of that. I ask that you graciously reveal to us um, the truth that, that the only thing that satisfies is you. The only thing that satisfies is knowing our status as sons and daughters, that we can stand before the God of the universe as healed and whole because of what Christ has done for us. So Father, may that be the thing that we run to. May that be the thing that we worship. Not, not some illusion of control, but the fact that you are God and you love us. So, Father, will you do a work in our hearts tonight? Will you mold us? Will you break us to look more like you? It's your son's name we pray. Amen.